In this episode of Innovation Deciphered, joined by Scott Lennick. He's the CEO of Neverbland, who I've known for some time now. I've always been very interested in his views on innovation and particularly about how this applies to society and businesses in general. So in this episode, Scott focuses a lot on the holistic nature of innovation and how can that be exploited for good value. So I hope you'll enjoy the episode and welcome any feedback in the future. Okay, Scott, well, look, obviously, interesting times. Um, the economy has taken a bit of a dive. Um, certainly, there are a number of companies now that are starting to look at laying off people, and indeed, many people have been laid off, unfortunately. Money supply is tighter. Um, and in many instances, that's been a real driver of innovation. But, of course, it's also been a bit of an encumbrance because the people that want to do it are suddenly now disenfranchised or don't have the wherewithal to do it. How do you, what's your reading of the, the current circumstances? We've been there before, of course, but what's your reading of it and what do you see as the, the way out? Um, in terms of the way out, um, I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, certainly in terms of, in terms of the reading, um, I guess, What's quite different is we seem to have had kind of a issue with obviously inflation and a lot of these have been kind of driven by external factors. So so the the war in Ukraine um, and has kind of primarily led to the energy crisis um, having, you know, big impact on on cost of living, um, obviously primarily kind of for heating, really feeling it over over winter and sort of massive increases in in food pricing um, as well. Um, and then also kind of a, I think what's kind of quite different for a lot of the, this inflation is that it's kind of supply side driven rather mm. than demand side driven, um, which makes it kind of quite difficult to kind of find an, an easy solution from, you know, we've got things that we need, um, and, um, we just have to pay up until a point for which you can literally no longer afford. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, I mean, there are still large numbers of people who can afford, but it's painful. But I think what is most concerning in, in this country, at least, is that we're seeing, you know, increasingly large numbers of people who, you know, are, uh, you know, going through real hardship yeah. to try and get through kind mm-hmm. of the times times at the moment. Um, and I think from a business perspective, it just leads to kind of large amounts of, of uncertainty. I mean, obviously, if depending on what category you're in, but if you're in something that is largely kind of driven by kind of, you know, consumer spending, and let's say um, kind of fashion or uh, going out and kind of entertainment mm-hmm. or kind of a lot of these industries, um, literally if they're kind of core customer base, only at kind of a, a mainstream and, and potentially kind of lower, uh, lower income um, bracket mm-hmm. um, segment of the population, um, it, it, they just don't have the money to be able to spend. So if you know if you're a kind of local pub, um, and you're you know you you are on most instances going to be choosing kind of food and and heating over going out for a couple of pints yeah. you know two three times a week. Yeah. And it's kind of the impact that it has on on those businesses, um, and I think you know everybody's just looking for an element of 
of, of kind of, of confidence and anchor point in the future to go, okay, if I know what things are going to be like, then I can start planning from it, from a, a business perspective. Um, and, and as you said, you know, when people are kind of faced with real challenges, you know, you kind of, I think humans kind of natural inclination is to want to try and, you know, improve things, yeah. make their lives more efficient, better organized, then that can be a kind of huge driver for, yeah. for innovation. Um, it's interesting because um, having gone through the pandemic recently, there was a lot of talk about resilience, both personal resilience, and I think a lot of people started to recognise the importance of their own well-being if they hadn't done previously, but also the resilience of businesses, and a lot of businesses did really well in transitioning so they were able to survive, and indeed some of them did thrive. But this has come on so quickly thereafter, it's put a further test on that resilience. But I wonder to what extent that is a form of correction that says, right, well, a lot of people have sort of been getting away with it with cheap money uh, or patroning over cracks, as opposed to doing it in a truly systemic way. And certainly from our perspective, and the reason why we were very pleased to get the kite mark was it was bringing some form of uh, structure to how you innovate and how you innovate towards a more sustainable future. Are you, have you seen evidence of that in your own career? And are you seeing any emerging evidence that people are recognising that and are now really taking innovation seriously to look at how they can be much more competitive in a harder market? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you kind of ask that question, I kind of think about two different types of businesses. Mm. Um, most of my experience for the last... 15 years at least has been in service-oriented businesses and obviously in service-oriented businesses then your kind of primary you know asset is your is your people of course and therefore driving kind of resilience at a personal level becomes you know super important that kind of that human capital is the basis of yeah. your innovation it's the basis of your value and therefore helping to kind of understand people so that they're better able to perform um, as part of a team um, and they feel more more comfortable um, in their in their work and personal life becomes something that I think is really important um, and what we saw over the pandemic was I guess increased focus around things like mental health mm -hmm. um, just around kind of you know well-being and healthcare in general yeah. and uh, I certainly see that there's been, and again, I'm speaking from a perspective of a, you know, primarily SME rather than kind of, you know, big business, um, is to really kind of really take that conversation seriously um, and to kind of really think, start by going, actually, what is going to enable us to perform well, you know, collectively as, as a group of people, you know, acknowledging that people have lives outside of work whilst also and acknowledging that, you know, it's important that people feel fulfilled in what they're doing. And so I think all of those kind of that combination of, I think, kind of building resilience is another kind of facet of, of becoming high performing, you know, as, mm -hmm. as an individual and a, as a part of a team. Um, and then also in terms of that kind of personal well-being as well um, I mean we we as a company again we're, we're not a huge company but um, 
I've invested a lot in supporting kind of mental health. We have an association with kind of mental health uh, charity mm-hmm. uh, and spend time each year um, as, a, as a group um, going out. We, we go out on a long walk and there are um, people that we can, it's almost like an assisted walk where you're speaking yeah. to people and individuals have an opportunity on a one-on-one basis to, to speak to people. Um, and then there's kind of, you know, private offline conversations that people are able to have as well. Um, but you also just see kind of, you know, a growth in, in people recognizing that, um, you know, it's okay to have challenges from time to time. And mm. I think it, it's a real positive that people now are a lot more open to, to, to talking therapies in general, whether or not that's kind of with um, expert specialist practitioners or just kind of, you know, using the help of, of of tools and apps that are on the internet that you can you can mm. uh, you can download and, and engage with, yeah. but there's just kind of a lot more resources now to be able to support people and and I certainly think that it's it's just having open honest conversations. You know, when I first started my career, it was still that kind of very you you had this kind of linear um, idea of how life would evolve, and it was always kind of positive, 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 positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, culminating in in a happy retirement, you know, somewhere warm yeah. by the sea. Um, but obviously, the world has changed, you know, a huge amount. I don't you know? think it was ever really yeah, that anybody, but you're right. It's... Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, and so I just think it's now people are just having a lot more kind of honest, open uh, conversations about about every aspect of their life, and I think that just helps us to, um, I think get to know each other better and and I think the result of that is is just better well-being and I think people are kind of seeing well-being now as not just you know how big your house is the car that you drive um where you go on holiday I think it's much broader and I think actually the the workplace is is much more positive but that's a really important point you've you've focused on is the is the human capital side of that but and there has been rightly a correction in my opinion, and I agree with you that there has been a correct correction on that to address that. But at the end of the day, from a business sense, you come back to the so what. Clearly from a human sense, we want to be well and we want to be happy and we want to be fulfilled. But from a business sense, you've then got to convert that into something mm-hmm. that creates a sustainable future for the business and for the people within it. And I'm just interested in your experience as to whether people are looking at it sufficiently holistically or whether they're biting off a, 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 a chunk that they can deal with, the human capital, and then worry about, well, where's the business going? And then when the business is right, worrying about what impact that's having on society. And Is there enough collective holistic view yeah. as to how we're addressing that, in your opinion? I mean... I think it, it comes down to at a, a leadership level, really. I mean, I think uh, I'm a strong advocate of looking at that kind of holistically because, you know, there are, if you look at staff turner, for example, you know, there's a significant cost to a business yeah. of that, not just in terms of um, that, that person going and potential recruitment costs, but it's also the time that, people had invested in understanding your culture, understanding your business processes, um, and kind of, you know, maintaining and being aligned with your values. 
So if you can kind of focus on, spend more time focusing on human capital, um, and as a result, you can reduce staff turnover, you can reduce day sick, mm -hmm. um, you can help people to um, achieve their potential. These are all things that are feeding back into the business. Now, it's not just kind of like nicey-nicey, we're just going to you know spend lots of, of money training people, having away days, having getting you know, people to, to get to know each other better. You know, we yeah. live in a, in a commercial environment. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely believe that these things, you know, when structured properly and when done with a clear understanding of kind of your, your a business context and what you're trying to achieve and, um, and, and why these things are beneficial, mm -hmm. then, you know, I think do think these things do, you know, the investment in time will and in, in cash will pay for itself. Yeah, and I mean you touched on apps there. I mean there's been such a a rise of the use of technology to enable and facilitate mm -hmm. um, innovation and be innovative in themselves. But do you find that people are almost relying too much on technology to drive innovation? rather than thinking about, as you say, the human capital, the generation of ideas, and thinking about what we're trying to achieve, and then fitting in digital where appropriate, as opposed to digital first? I don't know. I mean, I think I'm obviously slightly biased sure. uh, in that, just in terms of the, the space that I work. But I think people have always looked to try and kind of leverage the world around them and leverage technology in a way that will help to kind of accelerate sure. what they're able to achieve on their own and, and drive efficiency. Yeah. I mean, you know, from the wheel to the horse yeah. to the like yeah. motor engine, you know, um, and all, all, I just see that like technology is just kind of another phase of industrialization and it's helping us to drive even more efficiencies than we're potentially able to achieve on an individual level with what you might call more kind of traditional engineering and, and manufacturing. Um, you know, if you just think about the mobile phone, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the power that you have for kind of dealing with almost every aspect of your yeah. life more efficiently um, is, is enormous. And you, mm -hmm. I mean, again, we were, we were both uh, remember what it was like to live, yeah. live without one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I just kind of think back to, um, you know, there was no such thing as you know online shopping mm -hmm. you know there was no such thing as online banking there was like all of the things that you can do now that you can get an instant response from that you would have either had to take a trip down into the center of town or mm -hmm. your kind of like local shopping center or put something in the mail and like you know wait you know a week or so yeah. to get a response mm -hmm. um so i i think it's it's using appropriate technologies to drive innovation. Again, that point you said about, I do think that it's, it's difficult to just look at the two in isolation. I mean, you could argue now that with growth in, in AI, that in theory, technology is able to drive innovation, you know, mm -hmm. independently. Yeah. Um, but by and large, it's still, it's about that relationship and mm -hmm. that interplay between kind of, you know, human capital and technology in yeah. a way that can accelerate innovation and and certainly i know your role is to try and bridge that gap between human and, and technology but certainly a number of our clients have been um 
dissuaded through lack of real understanding mm -hmm. of the capability of technology and the inaccessibility of talent mm -hmm. to assist them in that and even if they can access that talent it's so expensive and therefore there are opportunities that are being missed through lack of talent and or finance. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got people with loads of talent, loads of finance that are being expended on maybe the wrong ideas. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's the answer to actually matching the idea with the right technology and vice versa? Well, there's a definite process to being able to do that. You know, we don't just kind of sit in the room and have a kind of hope for our you really moments <laughs> as to as to how this happens. But, you know, we start very much by, you know, trying to get insight and that an insight really is about people and processes. And it's actually it might sound counterintuitive to what we do, but you start very much at an analog level is kind of working out, well, what are current processes? Um, and are there any pain points in those processes or are there any parts of which those processes could be made more efficient? And then this does require having an understanding of the, the, the technical landscape. It's like what technologies are going to be most appropriate to be able to drive efficiencies at each stage of that kind of process uh, uh, mapping. Um, and then looking at that from a a commercial perspective and kind of working out actually, you know, where there's going to be a real return, return on investment um, to, to, to drive innovation. Mm -hmm. and, and again, it's, it's that, you know, whenever we talk to people have these kind of three areas and you're trying to get the, the, the sweet spot of this kind of like Venn yeah. diagram between, yeah. you know, what a, a consumer need is and the added value for, for the user. Um, a business need and where that kind of opportunity is for the business and then like as importantly what resources are available to to make that happen yeah you know and and that will determine sometimes choice of technology uh it will determine um how you execute whether or not you know you can come to a a, a consultant or mm -hmm. um uh, like 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 ourselves um or whether or not you need to try and hire and do something internally. So yeah. it will kind of also depend again on, 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 on time pressures, your competitive environment, um, whether or not you're, you're a market leader or whether or not you're having to play catch up. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of all sorts of different factors at play. But, you know, if, if you take a kind of logical, methodical approach to it, um, you, it's what we found is consistently the best way to, to drive results. Right, to drive results in itself or to drive long-term results. So what I mean by that is you can have an idea, take it through your process, it succeeds or otherwise. Or are we talking about ideas that actually are adding value to your business and your customer's business that are just exponentially growing? I mean, it's, it's both. And it depends on, on the circumstances and, and the opportunity. I mean, obviously, not every innovation is going to have the impact that that Google search engines had for example mm -hmm. um, it, it's but I think it's it's understanding you know what problem you're trying to solve and why trying to get a sense of what the potential is within that um, and and sometimes you know you're embarking on a journey you don't know where it's going to go yeah. you know because you look now at 
a lot of things that you hear about, you know, potential for AI or potential for some kind of biotech innovation or a lot of people are, and, and this is what futurists are doing largely, are mm. kind of projecting on what may be possible in the future based on what we know at the moment. So like, I think quantum, quantum computing is a great example yeah. of that. Um, you know, quantum computing is still very much in its infancy in terms of what you're able to deliver because mm. it's um, it, just the temperatures at which it needs to operate yeah. at. It's, it's incredibly impractical. But if you take the concept and you push it forward like 15, 20 or more years based on what we know, what we know that the, yeah. the factors are, if we can drive efficiencies, improve it, then you can then uh, look forward and go, well, actually, this is the potential of this technology, you know, down the line. Yeah. And it's a, it's a similar kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Because I, I think what I've noticed in the micro level in our own business, and with our clients and broader, there's a completely different skill set about generating ideas that are capable of leading to value in the long term and exploiting good ideas and taking them through the process and getting the necessary be it technology or skills aligned to make it a success. And it starts to become quite complex as to how we, we go through that. And certainly from our perspective, we we recognised if we're going to have any chance to exploit it and help our customers exploit it, it has got to be more system-led, mm -hmm. which then conversely can sometimes turn the ideas people off because suddenly, well, what's the bloody point? Because I've got to go through all these hoops and by the time I've done that, we've missed the chance. How, in your experience, do you keep people on board and aligned to see that you do need creativity and ideas but you do need some sort of structure and process to ensure they're properly exploited. Um, I mean, again, this kind of comes back to the, the resources point that we talked about before. So you've kind of got, when you're driving innovation using technology in that way, you're either going, we think that there's potential in this space and we're prepared to invest in the long term because we feel that by investing in the long term, we will be... Can I interrupt? Yeah. But when you say we feel, what, yeah. what, is, what is the metric that you need to apply to that to, to, to conf confirm or otherwise that you should continue? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess using the kind of AI analogy is quite interesting there. It's kind of sufficient, having a sufficient understanding of the potential for that technology, applying almost like a what if type statement mm -hmm. to your business and 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 just i guess kind of postulating what that could mean in the future and and then almost doing a cost benefit analysis yeah. so there's almost like this kind of potential you know what ifs could at one level but then at another level if you're kind of you have to be much more kind of immediate in your return then you have to take an approach of going like, what are we able to do based on technologies that are available today? So that's primarily the space that we operate in yeah. because primarily we're helping people um, with ideas who want to bring something to market over a shortish period of time. I typically no more than a year having kind of a first 
uh, first launch. Um, and you can only do that by harnessing technologies that are currently available that you you know and have complete confidence you're going to be able to deliver a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you find the, the market leaders are taking a, a longer term bet. You know they've got deeper pockets. They're effectively building their whole kind of R and D um, kind of labs and departments you yeah. know, within their organisations, and they are they're testing things. Um, you know, testing potential market opportunities, looking for acquisition in a space where they can potentially kind of accelerate their development in, in a space. But they don't have a, a 100% clear date where they need to have a commercial application and commercial return. Um, and, you know, it's, it's investing an amount of their, of their profits in that space just with a view that there will be a... A, a, there's going to be value in doing that, and obviously there are all, there are certain like tax incentives around that as well, yeah. which makes it kind of more attractive to to yeah. invest in that space. Yeah, as, as we well know, and I suppose what you're just confirming is like any big decision you make, either as a person or as a business, it's there's so much evidence and science you can get to back it up, but ultimately you've got to have a, a, a degree of instinct as well, and then back that instinct and follow it through, and make sure you've got breakpoints that you can withdraw if if it's not going as planned. And another thing that struck me as, as you were talking there is we talk about innovation very much about the value we can get from it and we look at it in the positive sense. But of course innovation sometimes is the cost of not doing something. If you don't change then you might be dead in the water anyway. So it, sometimes it becomes a, a risk mitigation or, or just a survival instinct that you've got to come up with with that change. And that's not always in my experience, that's not something that is always considered as innovation. It's considered survival or a must must do, as opposed to something that is every bit as important and as innovative as some of the successful stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem to be the mindset. Or yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, th- I think you know, if you if you take a big kind of like macro view, there's there's certain areas where we we 100% need to drive innovation. If you look at our our demographics we are becoming you know older yeah um exactly. different parts of the world different primarily our more advanced more advanced economies are are becoming older um the proportion of kind of working age population um as a percentage of the the overall population is is projected to to decrease so Unless we're driving kind of you know innovation, whether or not it's through kind of computing or robotics or other areas of manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know standard of living is going to yeah. decrease because yeah. you can't you know with without that improved efficiency, then there's going to be fewer people having to provide you know a high proportion of GDP and it's you know that becomes an imperative. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So maybe just to start bringing this to a conclusion then. Two questions. What is the innovation that you've had some involvement in, either in a personal law or business capacity, that you are are most proud of? And you may not be able to be explicit about it, but it'd be great if you could. And then secondly, what is the innovation you would love to be involved in? Very good questions. Um, and it's very difficult to... Uh, I guess. I guess it's almost like saying, you know, which of your children do you, do you love the most? Um, it's, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of all of the things that, you know, I've, yeah. I've worked on. I mean, I, I guess 
the things that I feel kind of most proud of are things that have impacted on on people's well-being um, and and most of the things that we work on you know are out by design don't just have a kind of purely you know commercial benefit hopefully they have a, a yes. human benefit um, as well um, so we've worked on on projects in in mental health and helping um, helping kind of organization or a particular organization be able to kind of offer its services to far greater numbers of people um, to uh, a kind of deeper kind of richer level um, do that and do that globally um, kind of through through technology and so you kind of know that um, the impact that that's having is kind of really significant you know and life-changing and, and in some instances probably you know preventing people from yeah. you know taking really drastic drastic steps um, uh, helping any any technology that can help people to make uh, better choices um, um, you know I think we're all yeah I was reading an article kind of this morning around about uh, kind of the environment and how an individual level everybody cares about ecology yeah. everybody you know you know, everybody wants to preserve this kind of amazing planet that we live on, mm. but then it's not always easy to be able to kind of make those kind of lifestyle changes. A, sometimes we don't know what to do. Um, and so if you can do something that kind of, uh, if you can help to develop and scale technologies that enable people to make technologies that are having a positive impact on the planet, but whilst not having to lead to a, a dramatic change in their in their lifestyle, um, then I think those things are, are really positive. And I know a lot of people are looking at that. There's a lot of money headed that way, but it's of course making sure that's done in a coordinated way and you're not competing, you're actually yeah. collaborating to come up with yeah. the best answers because it's, it's so damn serious, isn't it? Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, you look, I mean, there's a lot of innovation in, in the kind of fashion space and kind of move against yeah. kind of fast yeah. fashion and, yeah. and how do we kind of, you know, drive value around maybe kind of reusing, repairing, recycling um, uh, in a way that, you know, you can deliver commercial value from yeah. it as well, but at the same time, there's a lot of kind of, you know, end user value there as well. And finally, Scott, if, if there are people watching or listening to this that have got ideas but don't know how to exploit them or have got talent and or cash that want to back good ideas, what would be your advice to them? Uh, well, I think you're in a great place if you're in the UK. I mean, the UK is, I think, one of the best places in the world to be. Um, the number of, of kind of incubators and accelerators, and we're kind of second only to the US in terms of um, in terms of investment into into startups. Um, I mean, I think there's there's still quite a, a long way to go still with encouraging and investing behind more kind of female founders and from founders from uh, different um, kind of ethnic minorities and um, kind of more um, kind of racial and, and gender diversity. There's, there's definitely more to be done mm -hmm. there. Um, but as I said, there, there are lots of, lots of resources online. I mean, you, I'm, I'm happy to talk to people, you know, as, mm -hmm. as well, but... Well, with your know, agreement, we'll make sure your yeah. contact details are yeah. And that was the important point, as, as well as all, everything you said, there are companies like ours and companies like yours that are always open to 
help and uh, where appropriate. And if, if we can't help, point people in the right direction. So. Exactly. And I, I, yeah. And I just don't know, I think that's kind of one of the things that this space is is great is that yes, there is a, a, a kind of commercial imperative from mm -hmm. everybody. But the thing I've really loved about being involved in the kind of startup community is that there is a genuine desire for people to look at the bigger picture yeah. and go, actually, by, by collaboration, we're actually growing the pie rather than going, there's a pie here and I want to have yeah. an increasing share. Yeah. Well, look, we could talk all day, Scott, as, as we said at the outset, but uh, I think you know, you've touched on some really important points. I know it'll be of interest to people that are watching and listening. And as I said, with your agreement, we'll make sure that your contact details are available so that the conversation can continue, not just between you and I, but you, me and others. So thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate you coming in. Thanks very much, Brendan. It's been a pleasure. Good.